you know, I went back into my Bible and I learned the story of Ruth and Ezekiel and Isaiah, you know, and all these different stories. And, and I started really receiving and not just knowing, but like experiencing God's love for me. And I was in um, really good trauma-informed therapy and I was really struggling. And the more time I spent with God, I remember one time I went into my group therapy one day. I mean, I had literally just walked in the room and they all said to me, including my therapist, what, what are you doing? What happened to you? And I was like, what, what do you mean? And they're like, well, you seem so calm. Like, And I said, oh, you know, I've been spending a lot of time with God. And you know what? I realized, like, no matter what, it's going to be okay. Like, God loves me no matter what. And like, I'm never a loser because, you know, I'm made in his image and likeness and he loves me. And like, even if I died tomorrow, like the worst would happen, I'd go to heaven. Like, how bad is that? Like, that's pretty cool. You're listening to Altered Stories with Michelle Renee Gutch. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually with podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff. You can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com or the Access More app. Hello, Altered Story Show listeners. This is your Chief Storyteller host, Michelle Saunders-Gutch, and welcome to my 101 episode, 101st episode, friends. Gina's The Power of God's Unconditional Love God Story. And friends, I hope all is well and that you are enjoying your March months. We sure would like a little more sunshine here in the KC area, wherever you are. I hope that you are enjoying your month. I also hope, friends, that you have been listening to my show that helps Christian women share their God stories so women around the world can hear them. And friends, I must say my 2023 year has been a whirlwind of exciting activities for me. As I shared in my last episode, I have signed a book contract with Redemption Press Publishing to publish my healing memoir book that will share my altered story that brought me to my ministry calling as the founder and CEO of Altered Stories Ministry. I am starting my fundraising jumpstart program, friends, and would love your support. And please do check out my Facebook personal timeline to get more details on how you can support me on my Redemption Press Jumpstart page. I'm also super excited, friends, to be invited to be a speaker at PodFest Global to share how to build the right podcast team. And for those interested in joining me, do check out my Facebook timeline, and the details I have posted on my cover page that includes a code for you to sign up to be my guest. So enough of that, friends. We're going to get to the core of this podcast show. And friends, it is time to get this show started. And it is with great excitement that I introduce my special guest, Gina Rolkowski. Gina 
is a wife, mother of one grown daughter, and I understand she's going to go visit her soon, and is a coach for Christian women healing from childhood trauma, drawing on her 19 years of recovery. Friends, you're going to hear about that in her God story. She is also the creator of the Bridge to Breakthrough magazine um, program, I think, and a writer for Authority magazine, Christian Women Living magazine, Thrive Global, and Newsbreak. And do correct me, Gina, if I haven't shared everything correctly there. Um, There's a lot there. I know that you do. But I believe, friends, it's time to bring her to the mic to get to know her. Welcome to the show, Gina. How are you? Well, thank you for having me, Michelle. I appreciate it. I'm doing very well. And and you're, it is, uh, you're right, it is um, the Bridge to Breakthroughs coaching program. So it's not, it's not a magazine, but I do have a blog. So, um, you know, there is a blog, but there's no magazines. But I have written, like I am a writer for some of the magazines you mentioned. <laughs> Okay, thank you for correcting me there. I just wanted to have you talk a little bit about that program here soon. So, and and Gina, is there anything else about you personally that you would like to share? Well, I mean, you mentioned, um, you know, I I want to share everything since I'll get that into my God story. (laughs) Um, But I will say that um, I'm a big Philadelphia sports fan. And I heard you say you're from Kansas City. And I was like, oh, I did not know that. That is that makes me very sad considering your Chiefs beat my Eagles this year. But oh, oh but it was other, such a good game. Man. Yeah. I decided the minute I heard you say Casey, I thought, oh no, no, no. So I'm a diehard really sports fan. And our three of our teams this year got to the World Series, the Super Bowl, and the championship for soccer, and we didn't win any of them. So what are you going to do <laughs> next year? Next year. I sure hope so. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I'll just give you a little tidbit highlighted. I do another podcast. I'm an independent contractor for podcasting and I do another podcast show. It's called Blazing Gutch. It's an NFL show. We talked really? about, yeah, it just started Michael's wife, Teresa, is the host. She asked me if I jump in because we talked football. So anyway, the reason I bring it up is I wanted you to know I did highlight Jalen, the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles because of his faith and God and his Christianity. So he is doing some amazing things. So, you know, so we were we were rooting for the Philly, the Philadelphia Eagles up until they played. Yes, <laughs> I know. Well, and, 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 uh, and, you know, Patrick Mahomes is also a, a good Christian and he was out there thanking God for healing his ankle. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I said, oh, no. He's thanking God for healing his ankle. No. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah I know. So. I said to my husband, what am I going to do now? I said, oh, great. Patrick Mahomes just thanked God on live TV for healing his ankle. What is God going to do now? I said, he's got to pick. He's got two really great Christian quarterbacks. And who is he going to? Whatever. I know. Next year. Got a new season coming up. So anyway, not to digress, but I did have to bring that. <laughs> well, that's really out. interesting. I'm, I'm very interested to hear more about your NFL. That's super interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be interesting where it goes, but. This show, of course, so amazing. And I love women that 
want to help women heal. So this is so cool what you do. But I would love to know if there's kind of from your perspective, why you think women should share their God stories. Because I know you're a coach and you're out there working with women through trauma and healing and all of that. So we'd love to hear your perspective on that. Most people, including myself, for years and years think that they're the only ones out there. You think you're the only one. You think nobody will understand. Um, You know, when I started realizing that I wasn't the only one that how common, you know, childhood sexual abuse or childhood trauma was all of a sudden, you know, it takes some of the like sting of being alone out and there. And it also offers people an opportunity to find out how you overcame something or how you heal from something. And it's, it's an opportunity to give them some, you know, empathy, some encouragement and some empowerment so that they can rise above it and heal from it as well. And, and not, struggle with the shame of thinking, you know, and feeling so alone as if they're the only one or that nobody's going to believe them, which is another issue that you really deal with when you're dealing with childhood trauma. I know I have a story about that and um, I'm writing my book around it, but I will tell you um, not to digress, but I couldn't tell anyone because I was a child when this happened to me and it wasn't until I was older that I could do it. So then that, of course, as you know, creates a whole mirage of different problems. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Then you're the bad guy, you know. It's rough. But anyway, I I thank you for sharing your perspective on that. And I do want to have you share with my listeners a little bit about your coaching program. Can before we get into your God story. So can you share with them a little bit about it? Sure. My coaching program is called the Bridge to Breakthroughs, and it's based on five keys. Uh, and it's also um, brain and research based and biblically based as well. So there's five keys in the program. And it's the first one is recognize. So there's obviously the first step to healing is recognizing that you, you know, you're struggling with the, you know these issues. And the other piece of that key is basically the concept of recognizing that there are things you don't know. Like, why do you keep doing these things? You know, why does the brain work the way it does? Which normalizes it and makes it a lot more approachable. Then the second key is relate. Learning to relate to God first as your unconditionally loving father. Um, relating to yourself with empathy and compassion instead of shame, um, you know, and beating yourself up. The third key is rest. Um, the fourth key is recover. And that's, you know, where we do a lot of different, you know, interactive activities for, you know, recovering your limit, the, the limited beliefs that you have and, and struggling with kind of anxiety, self-regulation and things like that. And then the fifth key is renew so that you're learning that basically the concept of the bridge to breakthroughs is that, you know, sometimes we walk along the bridge and we go back and go back and forth, but you always have this kind of plan of like how to work through the issues that come up so that you're not overwhelmed and kind of stuck in your life and what I call the sucky life cycle. So how long does that program take to go through? Um, That program is um, like six months. Yeah, there's different options um, coming up. Like I have a membership that that is available so you can get a little bit of those things through, um, you know, there's trainings and workshops and webinars and things like that. So there's other ways to get, um, you know, to get kind of get a a taste of of what's included in that before, you know, making that commitment. Okay. Well, thank you for that. And I know we'll talk a little bit more at the closing on how people can get in touch with you and those kind of things. But I just thought it would be good because that kind of gives people an understanding of your background and experience as you are today. And now 
we're going to digress and we're going to be sharing about your God's story. So Gina, where does your The Power of God's Unconditional Love God's Story begin? Well, it's kind of funny because, you know, you don't think of as of an unconditionally loving story beginning in trauma, but believe it or not, that's where it starts. <laughs> um, it started, my story starts from a, being a young child and growing up in a home where I was uh, sexually abused and um, had a mother who was an alcoholic, uh, the closet alcoholic. So, you know, I didn't have the idea that the concept that she was an alcoholic, but um, in fact, you know, the more I got into my own recovery, I realized that that was actually the case. But, you know, I went years and years of not remembering that that was the issue for me. Um, and what happened was I had a lot of issues as a child growing up. I had like stomach aches. I had a lot of like, you know, physical issues. And the doctors always said, oh, well, she's just doing this thing for attention. Um, which, you know, it's like the worst thing you could possibly say to a child who's basically doing whatever they do because they need unconditional love. Um, but I ended up um, at 14 uh, having uh, seizures. And they were partial complex seizures, um, but I ended up having them for 20 years. Um, so I was like unable to drive. I became, you know, very introverted. And, you know, right now, I mean, I look back on my story, I realized they were most likely dissociative seizures that were protecting me from the memories because I really didn't remember what was happening. But by the time I got to be like 18, 19, I had brain surgery to try and stop these seizures and it didn't work. And then I got pregnant. And when I got pregnant, I had my daughter uh, and I was in this relationship that was very abusive. And basically, I look back now and I can see that I was, you know, as a child, as you get older, you mimic the relationships you had as a child and you don't realize that until somebody helps you recognize that and, and learn how to change that. But I, I ended up in this relationship that was, um, you know, very abusive. I was you know, had just had this like brain surgery, was, had this daughter, um, had my daughter and uh, I ended up, that's kind of where, I mean, things got pretty bad after I got divorced. I decided to divorce my husband because at least I think God had to be in that for sure <laughs> because it was so many women don't leave. So I'm so grateful that I was able to say, I don't want to be treated that way. But not having been able to deal with the issues that were had happened as a child and having the seizures that were preventing the memories, I was repeating these terrible patterns and I ended up becoming um, addicted to drugs that the doctors had put me on, like Clonopin, Xanax. Uh, I was in a car accident, so they put me on like Percodan and Oxycodone and Vicodin. And after I graduated college, I went back to live in Florida with my parents and I ended up basically an agoraphobic. I, I was so afraid. I, I mean, I didn't even get out of bed most days. I ended up, you know, the only time I would really get myself out of bed was to, I, I heard my daughter's school bus coming home and she was getting older. So she was like in fifth grade. And I, I knew like, you know, I mean, when you're young, sometimes it's one thing, but as they were, she was getting older, I, I was getting like worse and worse. And um, I didn't want it to be that way, but I would like throw my clothes on and try to look like I did something, but I wasn't able to work. I was still having seizures and I was basically just, you know, living in my parents' house with not much, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I didn't feel like I was capable of anything. I didn't, there was no um, like plan. You know, I, I think back now about how, you know, you're 18, you're 19, you're in college, you know, you, 
have a plan, you get a job, you know, maybe you say, oh, I'd like to do this or that or the other thing. But I never, you know, my parents basically picked everything for me. You know, they moved to Florida. It was like not even asked if I wanted to come. I was just assumed that I would go. And I think that's what happens when you have family secrets. You know, they keep the secret, you know, secret very close to home. But the long and the short of it is that um, I ended up in the psych ward several times before we moved to Florida um, because I was suicidal. And, you know, at that time, I thought when the doctor said to me, do you feel like you're going to kill yourself? I was actually grateful that somebody realized how awful I felt and was like, yes, like I do, like, please help me. And that was the first time I was in the psych ward. And then, you know, they put you in there and you're basically kept in a room for 72 hours. And I remember thinking to myself, well, what are you you doing here? Like, you're not helping me, you know? Like, this is even, I think I felt worse because I thought they were going to help me get better and they didn't. Um, But I ended up, you know, in and out of the psych wards. I was addicted to the drugs. I wasn't leaving, you know, my house because I didn't think I could do anything. And um, my mother ended up getting very sick and got cancer. and. You know, I didn't have a plan for my life of any kind. So for me, I was like very codependent on her. And when she, when she was, got sick and was clearly dying from cancer, um, you know, that got harder and harder for me. And so I took a bottle of Percocet and tried to kill myself. And that was, you know, there were times when I mixed more drugs, but this time I thought, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Um, and I just basically laid in bed and thought to myself, um, you know, my, my mother always said to me, because I, I grew up as a Catholic, I'm not Catholic any longer, but she said, you know, if you try to commit suicide, you die and go to hell, which I can't imagine that that's what happens. But I thought to myself in that moment, wow, like this is a really big risk to be taking. Like I could be going to hell in like five minutes, you know. And so I called, I called my brother who was down in Florida for my, because my mother was sick and they took me to the hospital, you know, to made me drink all the charcoal stuff to get everything up. They put me back in the psych ward and I just thought, she's like, you know, what am I going to do? But I was finally diagnosed with PTSD. Um, and it was during that time, like prior to my mother getting sick that I joined a, um, charismatic prayer group which i can't imagine i look back now how god ever got me into that because i was a catholic you know we didn't do any of the praising and learn the holy spirit you know what i mean it was like sit stand sit stand and I, I don't know i mean but the more time i spent with that prayer group and i started learning about the bible and like the god's promises it was before my mom got sick that I started learning about the power, like God's word and healing. And so I started praying, praying that the seizures would stop. And I just was like, you know, you know, I, I couldn't believe what I was reading in the Bible. I was like, this is amazing. Like, this is what God said. So I started going to these prayer groups and, you know, and, and reading the word. And I just started saying, you know, God says I don't have seizures anymore. And they stopped. They stopped in 2001. And the doctors were like, what did you do? And I said, I just started praying in God's word in the Bible. And they were like, because I had tried everything. I had been on experimental drugs. I had surgeries. I had everything. And, you know, I mean, I think God designed our brain the way he did because it was protecting me. I couldn't, you know. So anyway, I ended up um, finally diagnosed with PTSD and went um, inpatient several months later and got off all the drugs. Um, because you couldn't go away for the treatment that I needed to be on these drugs. And I remember 
you know, really being desperately frightened and scared. I went into, you know, I, I went into AA after I came out of my inpatient, my first, in, my, you know, my, my one inpatient. And it's kind of interesting because at that point I thought, oh, you know, I, I, I was learning a lot about like, you know, how I was very codependent and like my parents were, my parent, my dad, my mother had passed away uh, that February, like right before I tried to kill myself. And so I started learning that August when I went away you know, that I was letting everybody do everything for me. And I was like, that's not going to happen anymore. I'm going to go out and I'm going to, you know, and I, I went back to school and I got my master's degree and I thought, you know, I'm on, look at me, I'm, I'm going to be a teacher. And and I got my first job and it was like, oh, it's, these are going to be great and wonderful. And obviously there was still all these, this unknown history going on and my body was on this, you know, it was, it was very, very challenging for me. Um, and I remember thinking to myself, walking down the hall one day when I was teaching, oh, you know, I don't spend that much time with God anymore. Well, look at me, like I'm a shiny example of like what he can do. And, and oh, well, you know, and it's funny because years later, I would come back to that. But at any rate, I ended up really struggling out there in the world as a, te- you know, when I was a teacher, I was a great teacher, but I didn't have some great leaders. And obviously my body was still really fighting these memories and um, I lost my I lost my job the second year that I was teaching, and I felt like a loser. And I felt, I mean, I I felt like I was a loser from day one, pretty much. And I was still fighting all this. But one of the things that really helped me was when I was when I came out of inpatient. They wanted us to have five fifty positive affirmations that we had to say every day. And one of them that I created was, "I am a child of God." And I remember thinking to myself, "Oh my gosh, like wow, like." I can't possibly be a loser if I'm a child of God. Like, you know, I'm not like, huh. And it stuck with me, but then I still went off and like tried to make everything worth, find all my worth outside of, of that. But long and short of it is I really struggled. Um, and I ended up losing my job. Now, lucky for me, I did get remarried, uh, like that next year. Um, but my fiance at the time was very, you know, still my husband today, um, was very, very supportive and I just, I couldn't understand like why I was so struggling so much. I couldn't keep a job. I felt like a loser. I, I was just desperate. And finally, about, I guess it was maybe a few years later, like maybe two or three years later, I started having flashbacks that I was being sexually abused as a child. And I was dumbfounded. I, I couldn't believe that I had like seven or eight years in recovery, you know, and here I was like, I'd given up on the drugs. I was, I didn't drink, you know, and I was doing really well. And then bam, like these flashbacks were just insane. And I had had some kind of weird body memories, different smells and stuff would really freak me out. But I never thought to myself, this is what happened to me. And I actually had been, was able to get another teaching job. And this happened when my husband was away in Afghanistan. and. I, I I don't even know how to say it's, it was so shocking to me, but I was also kind of in a weird way, grateful that there was something that made sense for my whole entire life. All the struggles I had had, you know, all of the, you know, addictions and the, the psych wards and the, you know, all of these things that had happened to me, the seizures. And it was really like, I had I think sometimes, you know, like I was still like, oh, no, 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 like I can work through this and I'll be okay and everything. And I had no idea how difficult 
the healing from that was going to be and how deep down inside I felt ashamed. I felt, you know, there were so many secrets I felt like I had to keep. You know, I didn't want people to know that I lost my job teaching. I didn't want people to know that I was in psych, had been a psych ward. You know, all these different secrets that I had. Now here was this like big secret. Um, and I tried my best to like push through it and and be like, no, you know, I'm going to get my job. I'm going to, you know, to me, somehow I had equated like being okay and worthy with, you know, a career and success and all this stuff. And God had other plans. And probably for the best part of, I would say six, seven years, um, you know, I went, I was desperately trying to get really good help from therapists and, and really trauma-informed therapists because there's so many out there that aren't, say they are, but they're not. And at one point, I actually ended up um, hiring a um, Christian mentor. And and I was like, I hired her because she was also a business coach. And I was like, listen, you know, God wants me to share my story, which I, I really did believe. And, but, you know, and I said, but um, I don't know about that. Like, I think, you know, something else. And she was like, no, 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 you need to deepen your relationship with God. And I was like, no, 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 no. I, I have a great relationship with God. I, I'm great. And she was like, no. And so I ended up spending six months with her, spending time getting to know God better the way I did all those years ago when he helped me with my seizures and um, and all of that. And so it was really that time that I had with God because I think he, like, I really believe that he took everything else away from me because I couldn't, I wasn't in a position to get a job and have a career anymore because I still had issues that I had to work on. I had nowhere else to go, you know, and this is a terrible thing. I mean, I had nowhere else to go but God. I mean, God's the best ever. So like, what? You know, it's like going, I had no food, so I had to have a filet mignon, you know, and you're like, oh, that's, what's wrong with that? You no, know? but I, I ended up spending like really, you know, I I learned about soaking prayer and I learned, you know, I went back into my Bible and I learned the story of Ruth and Ezekiel and Isaiah, you know, and all these different stories. And, and I started really receiving and not just knowing, but like experiencing God's love for me. And I was in um, really good trauma-informed therapy and I was really struggling and the more time I spent with God, I remember one time I went into my group therapy one day. I mean, I had literally just walked in the room and they all said to me, including my therapist, what, what are you doing? What happened to you? And I was like, what, what do you mean? And they're like, well, you seem so calm. Like, And I said, oh, you know, I've been spending a lot of time with God. And you know what? I realized like, no matter what, it's going to be okay. Like God loves me no matter what. And like I'm never a loser because he, you know, I'm made in his image and like this and he loves me. And like, even if I died tomorrow, like the worst would happen, I'd go to heaven. Like, how bad is that? Like, that's pretty cool. And they were like, Oh, wow. Okay. And I, I mean, there's, there was a big shift that happened for me in that time period, because all of a sudden nothing in my life depended on anything else other than that God loved me, that I was the child of God that I was made in his image and likeness, you know, and it made me feel so safe and loved that I think I was, you know, it, it actually transformed my nervous system. You know, there's a um, study and books by Dr. Timothy Jennings, who wrote the books, The God-Shaped Brain and The God-Shaped Heart. And, you know, you hear a lot of things about what can you do for anxiety and, you know, do this and do that and do the other thing. And like, I really believe like when you spend time with God and make it very personal. Um, you know, I mean, I, I spent time with him 
like I would anybody, you know, I used to spend time playing in the ocean and I would just be like, pretend, you know, be like, Lord, let's have like wave riding contests and, you know, like, come on, Lord, let's like ride the waves. And, you know, I'd walk along the beach and just imagine him right next to me. And I would like close my eyes and imagine my head on his lap and like crying even desperately, like, Lord, what am I going to do? I went through all of these things in my life. I have you know, I'm getting a little older, like I don't have a career, I feel like a loser, you know, and I've learned to like sit at his feet, literally, and just cry. And it made such a difference in my life, because I, I was able to then like start to learn to hear from him. And it was during that time that he gave me this program. One morning, I was praying, and I felt like he said, you know, grab your journal. And I said, okay. And he's like, you need to write these things down. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> All right then, what am I supposed to do with this? You know, and I then I just spent a lot of time working on all that. But all of a sudden, I wasn't ashamed anymore. I didn't, you know. I, I even have this picture. I don't. I used to have it in the back here. But I have it over here on my wall now. And I wrote like all the things that I was ashamed of in my life, and all the things that I did. You know, sleeping around, taking drugs, you know, hiding, losing my job, and realized that all of those things were really me trying to get my needs met. And it was the only way I knew how to get those needs met. So how can I be ashamed of trying to survive when that's all I had? You know what I mean? And 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 realizing that God loved me no matter what, that I was uh, my worth could never, 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 never. I thought I lost my worth, but I never lost my worth because God got that for me on the cross when and you know Jesus died on the cross and God made me in his image and likeness. So that's not takeable. I just lost it for a little while in my own heart and soul. And I think, you know, he talks about, you know, um, what's that, the verse about um, not renewing your heart, but I literally just did a meditation on this the other day for my, my membership, but, you know, the circumcision of the heart or something, you know, I, I feel like I filled, my heart got filled up with all this awful nonsense about, you know, because when you're a child, you don't know, oh, my mom or dad are hurting and they're hurting me. You think... If it's bad, it means I'm bad. And so you internalize that and your body holds on to that and all your cells think you're horrible and they make you feel that way all, all day long, every day. So, you know, I think that I learned, I was able to empty that out of my heart and realize that I have to feel, you know, God says to guard your heart, you know, watch what comes in your heart, what comes in your, your mind, your spirit and your body. And so I was just, it, it made, you know, there was just such a shift in my life from being okay and not chasing my worth outside of myself, not being full of shame and guilt and, you know, and not even guilt because, but shame basically just feeling like I am, I'm a loser. I mean, it was hard for me to think just be out in the world to the point that I couldn't leave my bedroom for a long time, but it was really, I think that, that God was like, you know, Gina, you're, you're, you're not getting this. You, almost had it, you know, in 2004, and then you chased after it in some other way. So I'm going to have to take everything out until you can come back to me. It, it, it brings me a lot of joy to help other people get to know God as their personal, unconditional, loving Lord and Savior, because shame is caused by a lack of unconditional love. Well, where do we go for unconditional love, right? And so like, it brings, I think one of the things that I didn't realize it was like I I knew that God loved me, but I didn't experience it. And so I really feel like helping women and people who are dealing with shame learn, go from knowing 
like reading it and going, yeah, I know God loves me. But like, there's a big difference between knowing my husband loves me and then like wrapping my arms around him and holding him. You know what I mean? And I think that's why God says to us, you know, be still and know, because know that a Hebrew word for know is yada, which means intimacy, like experience, you know? And I think that, um, you know, I see all these things out there now that are like, you know, new age stuff of like crystals and this and that. And it's all like, it's such a pet peeve of mine because you, you might find some like relief in the moment, but it's not like a long-term solution for this. And the other thing I think is that, you know, we have to think, put our, keep our minds on things above, not below. And people are so into feeling peaceful and calm and like not realizing that this like we need to keep our eyes on eternity you know what i mean like are you do you want to feel good here and be calm here and then die like you it's i really think that we have you know it's important to get the message out there that we have to think eternity and you also have to remember like the devil doesn't come with a pitchfork and horns you know he shows up with the you know like the, the guy who comes to the little girl on the street corner with candy and the nice man who has candy you know he's like hey do you want to feel peaceful okay, here's a crystal, you know, and the next thing you know, you've got this demonic thing happening. You don't realize it because he comes as an angel of light, you know? And so like one of my things is that I feel very passionate about is helping women really go from knowing God to experiencing him and experiencing themselves, being able to relate to themselves with compassion. And if you feel like you have this unconditional love and you can experience that from God, then it makes it a lot easier to relate to yourself because all this, you know, and like when you can recognize, you know, I always call it riding the bike of life. You know, I learned to ride the bike a certain way. Well, if all I knew, all I was taught to ride the bike is get on a certain way and pedal and keep falling off because that's what my mother and father did, then how can I be mad at myself if that's what I repeated? You know what I mean? Like, you don't ever say to somebody who's surviving on a desert island, ew, you ate bugs to survive. You go, wow, look at you. You 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 drank your, you know, you drank whatever you had to and you ate bugs and you survived. But the minute, you know, as a survivor of childhood trauma, you're using the same coping skills that your parents did that you learned. All of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm so ashamed. And I realized, well, I'm a good learner. I just need to learn something new. I'm going to ride the bike in a different way now. And when it feels weird because I'm riding in a new way, I'm going to learn to be okay with that because soon it won't feel so weird. But I think, you know, there's a, a every, I always say that every miracle starts out as a big mess, you know? And so like my story of unconditional love really starts with a lack of unconditional love for my parents who, you know, were trusted to care for me and love me, keep me safe you know, give me a sense of self-agency. Um, and that didn't happen. But I'm very grateful that I had my relationship with God throughout that. Um, because even as a little girl, I did have, you know, a close relationship with God. I used to sit on my swing in the backyard and like talk to God. And I, I, I thought that I must be, you know, at the time I was little girl was a Catholic. I thought, oh, I'm so close to God. I must be the next blessed mother, you know, the next virgin Mary. <laughs> and, and then I thought, oh, I love God so much. The only thing I could do about that is be a nun. And I didn't want to be a nun. So I thought, wow, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. So, you know, it's interesting to see how God works, you know, I mean, to feel completely unloved, uncared for, unlovable, to going to feeling 
unconditionally loved and, and, you know, certainly worthy of, you know, I'm not saying, I know there's a lot of people, Christians out there who say, you know, we're not worthy of God's love and all of that, which I totally get. But I think when you're a child of trauma survivor, you are in fact worthy and you deserve to have that unconditional love. And when you don't get it for me to say to somebody, well, you don't, you know, you're not worth God's love. I would never tell somebody that, you know, because you have to be really careful when you have this fine line with what some Christians say about not being worthy and things like that, like nobody's saying you're God, but God does love you. Jesus died for you on a cross. He wants you to feel his love. He didn't do that. So you could beat yourself up and feel unworthy. I mean, you know, but that's my long involved story of unconditional love. Oh, Gina, that's a lot that you've shared with us. There are points in how you shared your story that, you know, I wanted to jump in and bring this perspective and bring that and say this, but, you know, the effectiveness of your story uninterrupted is really important in my opinion, because you can really understand kind of where you were at and the process you went through to get to where you are now. And it is so beautiful to hear that. You know, I mean, I didn't know your full story. And I'm sure every single time you share it, it impacts you in some way. And I do think through the recovery process, as we share our stories, I mean, I think we're all continuing to recover. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's never, you don't ever arrive. <laughs> yeah, you you don't. And so, you know, I do think it's, you know, impacting for our listeners just to hear the authenticity in how you're sharing and the humility in which you shared and, you know, this, the difficult pieces of that, you know. And, and it it's, takes an incredible amount of courage to share your story. It's sometimes I feel like it's so far, you know, it's been in August will be 20 years. And so I, I feel so far apart from who I was then that I forget that that is truly where I was. And so I think that that's important for me to share as well, because I still, you know, I still have these high expectations of myself, you know, I still, you know, I have to really, it's a part of my own journey of continuing to be, you know, proud of myself and see where I started whenever I think to myself, oh, you know, I'm not good enough because it's, I'm a human and I still have times like that. And I, and helping me to remind myself of that is like, okay, yeah, like God really helped me. And, and I was very courageous because it's, um, it's, it's not, you know, I think people think that the healing is going to be as horrible as the abuse. And if there's like one message I could get out there is like, you don't have to suffer. Like, it's, you're not going to find out that you are a loser. Like, I think one of my biggest fears was that I was going to go to therapy or something and somebody was going to say to me, oh, Gina, you're just the lost cause. What are you doing here? You're a crazy person. You better just go get put away, you know. And 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 when I realized, like, well, that wasn't going to happen, and I could get help, it made it a lot easier for me because there was a point that I think I forgot to mention that my mother told me when I was stuck in my bed and couldn't leave that I had to get a job or she was going to institutionalize me. And so she, I packed a bag and my dad took me to the local 
mental, you know, facility. And I had to beg them, like, please don't leave me here. Like, this is, you know, um, and that was really part of why I struggled in my jobs, because I didn't get the help that I needed to be able to sustain a job. So my whole time was like, if I don't make this job work, I'm going go, not going to go back to a psych ward. I'm going to be put away forever in a mental institution. You know, so um, it's, it's, it's hard. To, it is sometimes hard to look back and go, oh, wow, I, that's a lot to live through. The incredible power of the Holy Spirit and how he has transformed you through, you know, your obedience and your, you know, reaching out and seeking God, you know, and I think God really honors that. He wants to love us. He wants us to have relationship with him. He wants us to seek him and he wants to come alongside us through these difficult times to carry us through, um, even though sometimes we choose not to want to do that. But, you know, God loves us. He pursues us. And your story and all of what you shared is, hey, God had to put you kind of in a box. So you you could focus on him. I mean, I had the same experience, but in a different way, you know, and God does that. I mean, that's because. He loves us so much, in my opinion. There. Yeah, I mean, I'm grateful now because I, at the time, I remember thinking, "You got to be kidding me!" Like this is this, this I, uh, yeah. you know. And I look back now, and I'm really grateful because, it, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I had struggled even then. I was desperately looking for really good trauma-informed therapists, and you know, they were just. Everybody would go, oh, yeah, I am. And they weren't, and they weren't, and they weren't. And so I was in this place of like, where do I get this good help? And what do I have? And and God was like right there for me. And I think the other thing that I really would like to help people learn is how to receive what God has for us. Because, you know, he's like over here with this great gift of like peace that surpasses all understanding and unconditional love. But he doesn't like shove it in our throats either. He's not, here's my love. You know, he's like... I got, I got this for you, you know, and, and helping women approach, be able to approach God and put their defenses down to receive it, you know, because it's a lot of people come in with the whole, why should I trust God? He let this happen to me. And it's like, well, that's, you know, God's ways are not our ways. Like that's one of the biggest scriptures that helps me know that I'm not supposed to know. It's like lean not on your own understanding, right? Like it's not for me to know. I mean, Jesus died on a cross. What, I mean, it's it, it does. God never said you're never going to have any issues. He just said, I'm going to help you through them, you know? And so I think really helping people to experience God's love, to receive, you know, helping, because if you really think about it, like how often do we, even myself, like I have to really be intentional about sitting with God and receiving and going, I am here to receive, you know, obviously I give you honor and glory. I come with a repentant and humble heart. But I'm also here to receive what you have for me. You know, like, how often do we do that? You know? Yeah. We sometimes have to go through trauma and hard things to get to that place. But, you know, we glean so much from it, though, when we do that. Yeah. Or, you know, I we go to God with lots of words. You know, it's like, hi, God, listen. And it's like, one of the things that makes me like, I actually think sometimes I don't use enough words when I spend time with God. 
<laughs> I, I literally thought to myself, oh Lord, I don't, you know, because it's, I feel so much more peace being able to just be present with him that I don't come with my long laundry list. You know, I used to think when I was in, a Catholic and I went to church, I thought if I don't outline for God and write in my prayers right away, everything I want from this, from being here, that he's, he's not going to know. And it means he's not going to answer my prayer. So I was like, he knows everything. Yeah, and what am I doing? He's causing myself anxiety. And so I was like, oh, I have to tell him. Like, he already knows. Oh, yes. He knows. He knew you. He chose you. That's the thing that's so, comp- you know, we have to go, oh, my gosh, God knew me before he, I was created in the womb. Right. He needed that was me something in my really mother's womb. Like, exactly. Like when I think about that, I, that helps me go like, when you really think about that, like God is if there, in, you know, in heaven, he's like, I'm going to make a Gina. Yes, I'm going to make a Gina. Like, you know, like when you really think about that, he was so excited about making me that he decided to make me. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I you know what I mean? Like, and I, I, you know, it's like he was like, oh, blonde hair. No, 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 no. Let's do some dark hair. That's perfect. Look at you. You just, you know, like that really helped me really feel like God was intentional. He didn't just pick me out of a goldfish tub or some sort. He like intentionally said, I'm going to make you, you know, like that's pretty cool. It's, it's it is incredible. It's so hard to get your head around. So, you know, I, we could talk on this and we could praise him and thank him and just get, you know, I mean, it just makes you so incredibly giddy, I guess. that's kind it, does. Of- it does, I think. And I think we miss out on that. That's part of why what I do, I try to bring this playful piece of it into it. Because when you really can bring it into this playful, you know, childlike innocence, all of a sudden there is this like, wow. And you kind of, then you start experiencing God without having to like try. <laughs> oh, it's. Incredible. The Christian journey, God created us in his image. You know, when you're just thinking in that term. That's amazing, you know, you, right? <laughs> I, I, I just, yeah. And so the Christian walk is never dull. And this journey that we're on is never dull. <laughs> and this, it's so cool that you're doing what you're doing, Gina. And I really would love to talk to you a lot longer, but we're running out of time. And so I want to, I do want to make sure that, you know, we give you an opportunity to share where you can be reached and maybe just a few closing words, you know, in this time of wrap up. Sure. Well, you can reach me at my website, which is ginarolkowski.com. And I'll spell that because it sounds harder than it is, but it's G-I-N-A-R-O-L. K-O-W-S-K-I.com. Um, on Instagram, I'm on Pinterest, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Facebook. Um, you can reach, I think I, I have my um, beautiful breakthroughs for women in um, trauma recovery group on Facebook. Um, I think, you know, my closing words, I would, you know, I, I, I God, loving God and experiencing God does not make you a weirdo. Like God is not a weirdo and neither are you. I know God um, and Christianity can get portrayed as these right-wing crazy people. And like, you know, I, I would encourage anybody out there who is struggling with that to just 
realize that, you know, and the, the other thing I would like to just add too is that we have this tendency to think, well, our lives should be X, Y, Z, but you know, why should our lives be any different than Jesus? Right? Like Jesus suffered, Jesus was betrayed. If anybody, like when you want to talk about connection, you know, connection and healing relationships is the best way to heal from trauma because it's a relational injury that happened in in connection. So you have to heal with connection. So what's the best safe place to go? God, unconditional love. Who can understand more feeling betrayed and abandoned and, and traumatized than Jesus? Right. So I think that it's a lot cooler than people think to be, you know, to, to have this experience. It's why the 12 steps work so well, because infused in there is have a relationship with God. So I think that's missing from healing from childhood trauma. And hopefully I'm putting that in there so that that will be a big piece of people's journey. Well, that's a great way to wrap up in end, Gina. And again, I want to thank you for taking the time and sharing with my listeners this inspiring God story and all these words of hope and encouragement and just your authenticity. It's been a blessing and I'll be praying over all that God has for you and your calling in this area. Um, So friends, do, do share this podcast and do reach out to Gina um, if you need to, because she has a heart and she wants to help. And so that's a God thing for sure. And thanks for taking the time, everyone, again, for listening. And we'll have this episode available on our website. And until the next show, friends, be heard and be healed. Altered Stories Ministry is a faith-based, nonprofit, and women's evangelistic storytelling ministry located in Overland Park, Kansas. If you enjoyed listening to today's story, your family and friends would probably benefit from hearing how God works in the lives of women all over the world, too. So please, subscribe to our show and share the link to this podcast. Share it on your social media. We also welcome your valued feedback on our stories. Also, we'd appreciate your prayerful consideration in sponsoring one of our future God-glorifying stories and welcome your tax-exempt financial donation. To find out more on how you can support our ministry, you can log on to our website at www.alteredstories.org. 